From our studios in New York, Chicago, and London, this is a Rail Group on Air special podcast series The Coronavirus and the Rail Industry. Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, presented by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. Our sponsor for this podcast is Trinity Rail, which continues to be your premier provider of integrated rail transportation products and services. From rail car leasing and manufacturing to maintenance parts and much more, Trinity Rail remains ready to deliver targeted solutions to meet any rail transportation requirement. Call Trinity Rail at 1-800-631-4420 or go to trinityrail.com to learn how the company can help solve today's problems and better prepare you for tomorrow's opportunities. Today, more than ever, Trinity Rail is built to deliver. My guest is Norfolk Southern Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer John Scheib. John leads the Service Optimization and Customer Engagement Division, ensuring that Norfolk Southern provides a high level of customer service, refining the railroad's operating plan, terminal operations, and equipment strategy to maximize efficiency and executability. Prior to joining Norfolk Southern in 2005, John served in all three branches of the federal government, including Chief of Staff and Counsel to the Chairman of the United States Surface Transportation Board and as Counsel to the Subcommittee on Railroads of the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure in the U.S. House of Representatives. We have been covering the rail industry's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and uh, frankly, the the response has been uh, remarkable, what railroads are doing and what the employees are doing. So uh, I wanted to get a, get some perspective from Norfolk Southern to see how you folks are doing. Uh, I understand that there have been a lot of customer service improvements uh, prompted by your your response uh, to keep sort of keep the momentum going. Bill, thanks first of all for letting me visit with you today. You know, it's a it's a privilege for me to be able to represent all the hardworking people at Norfolk Southern. Um, and before I say anything else, let me just say to them, thank you. Um, thanks to all our teammates who are helping to keep the steel wheels rolling. As you mentioned, we do have a great service product that we have in the marketplace for our customers, and we've been highly engaged with our customers throughout this entire uh, challenge to um, to our fellow citizens, to other companies, and, and to our employees uh, as we continue to serve our customers, manage our assets, and control our costs. So our team is really working hard. Um, for the American economy and for our fellow citizens and for our shareholders. So I wanted to get some um, uh, perspective on the supply chain. Now, as, as we all know, the supply chain nationally or globally has really been disrupted. Uh, so what what specifically uh, is Norfolk Southern? And also, I guess, also with your, some of your, your other we're all in this together. <laughs> the railroads are all in this together. What are, what are you doing to uh, help uh, ease some of the pain, I guess, of the of this disrupted supply chain? Sure. So, Bill, you know, 
Norfolk Southern is a railroad that operates in the eastern part of the United States across 22 states. And um, we are a part of the American economy in every way that you can think of, from providing fuels for electricity, uh, water treatment materials to purify water, grains for our food supply, metals in construction, automobiles. You know, we touch a broad piece of the American uh, economy and the supply chain. And so, um, you know, we've been working really hard with our customers to understand how the COVID uh, situation is affecting their business uh, so that we can keep the supply chain moving. And if I could get, give you just an example, when um, Pennsylvania became one of the first states to issue orders about essential businesses, we saw it as a harbinger of things to come. And so we initiated a survey with our customers to determine how they would be impacted by those orders or how they saw their businesses uh, might be affected. We got 1,500 responses back from our customers. In addition to that, our customer service team, in conjunction with our field sales team, which is, which is part of our marketing division, um, they made over 750 phone calls to our customers so that we were really understanding their business and their needs to keep the supply chain moving. And then you wrap that up with one of those places where we've really reimagined possible inside our company with technology to stitch together various departments. We call it we call it Connect NS, which is a Salesforce platform. And no matter where that information was coming into the company about our customers, their needs and what they saw coming, it was being shared across our customer service, our marketing and other departments so that we had the best information in order to respond to our customers needs. In order to take care of your employees, uh, one of the things you need to do is distribute hand sanitizers. So uh, in Norfolk Southern, of course, being uh, being in the South, uh, you have some distillery customers, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and and these uh, some of these distill distillers have uh, converted their operations uh, to making hand sanitizers. Now you've been able to uh, to obtain. Uh, hand sanitizers from them for your own operations, but here's a new market to get those products to where to where they're needed. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. Let me start with just new markets generally, and and I, I do want to talk about the distilleries because it's really a great story about heroes at Norfolk Southern. Um, generally, you know, we found new opportunities in in food, in packaging, in inorganic chemicals. Um, and we, as I started with, we've got just an outstanding service product. Our, our train speeds are, are very good. Our terminal dwell numbers are down in, in very nice ranges. Um, our availabilities on our intermodal products is very high. It's just an outstanding service product across the board. And so we're using that service product and working with customers across all our markets, really, to innovate in the supply chain. Now, I want to turn to your distillery example because it's a great one. And um, we've worked really hard to protect our employees. Just, just to give you one, one statistic, we've, we've had uh, on order since April over and above our normal supply, 30,000 gallons of hand sanitizer. And it comes down to really innovative employees, the employees we call heroes. Um, and, you know, just an example, uh, Jay Medling in our sourcing group and Steve Gwynn in our operations group were the ones who were reaching out to those local distilleries and uh, finding sources for that hand sanitizer. So they've been we, we've had really creative people step up in the midst of this situation. 
in addition to hand sanitizers, uh, there's other things that, that need to be done. Um, uh, locomotive cabs need to be wiped down. There's uh, employee distancing practices, which in some situations may be difficult to do. How are you handling those things? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really um, inventive, and we've, we've really followed CDC guidance from the very beginning and have been proactive, even going back to January, at protecting our employees and making sure we were able to serve our customers. Um, let me just take you back. If, if you'll recall, sort of late January, there, there wasn't quite as much uh, focus on this, but that's when we first sent out an, uh, a notice to our employees about COVID-19 and basic hygiene to, to start addressing the potential spread of, of the virus. We then took a number of steps inside the company to um, prepare and activate ourselves, uh, everything from standing up our pandemic task force in early March, which has all departments represented and meets every, every day of the week, every weekday. In mid-March, we reviewed business continuity plans with every department. Uh, we set up command center calls to make sure that we were going to be able to serve our customers well that are every morning at 8.30 in the morning, seven days a week. And just to give you a flavor of that, on those calls, we talk about the health and availability of our, our workforce. We talk about how the network is running uh, that, uh, that day. And we talk about any issues that we see that might inhibit our ability to serve our customers. And in fact, we talk about specific needs of specific customers during those, those calls. We've also done many things like standing up a corporate incident management team that meets every afternoon and gets a report from our chief medical officer, Dr. Francesca Lito, uh, on every uh, uh, development in the, in the virus. And then we've started all, all the things that you would think of from the CDC guidance. We started social distancing very early. We split our dispatching center into different locations. We moved people to remote work to make more space for social distancing for people who had to stay in the office. So we've really attacked this on, on a lot of fronts. As I mentioned, the 30,000 gallons of hand sanitizer, that's in addition to 550 gallons of bleach, 11,000 gallons of spray disinfectant, and 135,000 masks that we've, we've ordered. So um, we've done a great job, uh, no matter whether your workplace uh, is a desk, a shop, or a locomotive cab. And then I do want to make one other point on this response that we've had, and that is that um, we have not only done the things I mentioned, but we've gone back and we're auditing ourselves. Uh, we're doing checks to make sure that we're following our own procedures. And we've even developed a hotline in case any employee sees somewhere where we can do better or not, not living up to the standards we've set for ourselves. So our response to this on behalf of our employees has been incredibly robust. You talked about a pandemic response team. Is that something that has been in place for a long time, like long before this whole COVID-19 thing started? Yes, Bill, we have had a pandemic response plan in place for some time, just as we do for any number of, of types of incidents. And we've updated and refined those and as we've gone through this incident to, uh, to make them better just like we do uh, for any other incident. We try to learn from them as we, as we go and, and enhance and uh, make our procedures more robust. So yes, we had them in, a, in, a, in advance and we continue to improve them. You know, I've seen uh, uh, over the years that the railroad response to any kind of emergency situation, a natural disaster, I remember Hurricane Katrina, 
uh, other situations where the uh, railroads are always on top of things or ready to go at the, at the first sign of trouble. Uh, no difference here. Uh, I, I, I th- personally, I think that I think our industry is really setting an example for the rest of the country. You, you wish the government would pay more attention to that. It's a testament to the people who come into this industry. And we have a very large mission that is to serve our fellow citizens in the American economy uh, by transporting the products that they need. And it's no different even in these challenging times. And obviously, we're a business as well, and we're responsive to our shareholders by managing our assets and controlling our costs. But but we know our fellow citizens need us uh, every day, and particularly in this crisis. And so the types of people who come to the work for the come to work for the railroad uh, really have a, a can-do mentality, and they think in advance. and And heroes pop up in our industry all the time. Um, I think about you know Derek Purdue, who's in our our uh, customer service group and was instrumental in moving us from a group that was tethered to desktops and shared workstations. And 10 days later, everybody had a laptop, a soft phone. We were getting headsets from Target and Walmart. And uh, today our customers, if I weren't talking to you right now, our customers wouldn't know whether that group was in the office working from home or working from Timbuktu. You talk about the the commitment the employees make and their sense of duty, their sense of pride. Uh, I think part of that probably stems from the fact that Norfolk Southern, like a lot of the railroads, recruit heavily from the military. And the military brings this discipline to the job, the focus on safety, per, focus on uh, looking out for your, uh, for your fellow uh, railroaders. We're an operation that is uh, very disciplined. We have... Uh, heavy equipment, moving things around. It takes a lot of discipline to do that well, do it efficiently and do it safely. And so from uh, the members of our team who do have military experience um, to the folks who just have a great knack for um, that kind of work and that kind of diligence uh, across the board, they're standing up to uh, to help in this, in this time of need. Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, new business opportunities. This is an awful thing that that's come upon the world. This this pandemic, and uh, hopefully it will uh, it will end uh, sooner than later. What opportunities do you think the railroads may find? As in other words, is there a, a silver lining to this uh, very dark cloud which is still hanging over us? It's a hard question in these times. Um, it's a difficult time for our employees. Difficult time for citizens. Uh, different concerns and stresses in people's lives. Um, and we look forward to a resolution of those issues. But your question really reminds me of, of Rahm Emanuel, who said, uh, never let a crisis go to waste. And what I think he meant by that is in challenging times, you find that you can do things maybe you didn't think were possible before. And we've certainly got some examples of that. Th- this has been a real opportunity for us to pressure test our network planning and optimization group, which we really formed about a year ago to balance the needs of our operation to be executable every day and to meet the needs of our customers and and for that group to work with the transportation team in the field um, to press forward with the principles of precision scheduled railroading that that we we are implementing and have been implementing and continue to implement and it's also exposed opportunities for us to reimagine possible in in many areas that, including in my own division with with customer service and the remote work that I mentioned 
um, where where we've moved that team remote and our our service metrics to our customers, our response metrics to our customers, um, haven't missed a beat, no degradation. Um, it's using technology to get feedback from customers right away through our voice of the customer program. It's rolling out additional tools in our access and S platform that customers can can use um, even when they're working remotely. Um, so we've really really tried to put our foot on the accelerator in some of those areas, even while dealing with the other aspects of the crisis. Coming out of this, uh, is, is, uh, do you see any, any changes coming along that may, uh, or in place that may stay, that, that would work under quote-unquote normal circumstances? We're looking for efficiency in our network all the time. And um, as we adjust train plans and uh, schedules, um, the trains that operate, we continue to, to dial that in uh, in a continuous improvement type type way. Uh, and as traffic comes back, you know, we'll look to add the traffic into existing trains to the extent possible to get as much leverage into the into the system as we can um, and to keep keep our network fluid. Um, so, yes, I think we are seeing opportunities all the time that are going to translate into uh, long term efficiencies for the railroad and benefits for our customers and shareholders. We're looking at um, all the business opportunities we can um, to serve customers better and to, to move the American economies. I can think of opportunities that we've had, as I said, with uh, within markets that we serve where uh, grain for food production for, for the country, uh, paper uh, products uh, that are so, so needed at this time. Um, and it, you know, in addition to that, I can think of the companies that we're partnering with, you know, um, I think about the tailor in Atlanta who um, we've partnered with and is making masks for us today, and we're getting masks for our employees while keeping a, a small business open. So there's lots of ways that our economy is interconnected. We obviously are focused on the transportation part, but we're glad to, to move our customers' products and to partner with other businesses to keep our employees safe. Okay, John. Well, thank you so much for joining us. To all of you in Norfolk Southern, stay uh, stay safe and stay healthy and keep those steel wheels turning. Thanks, Bill. Rest assured, we will keep the steel wheels rolling. That's it for this edition of Rail Group On Air. Thank you to John Scheib, to Norfolk Southern, and to our sponsor, Trinity Rail. Trinity Rail remains ready to deliver targeted solutions to meet any rail transportation requirement. Call them at 1-800-631-4420 or go to trinityrail.com to learn how the company can help solve today's problems and better prepare you for tomorrow's opportunities. Today, more than ever, Trinity Rail is built to deliver. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. Have a safe day.